You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Also, welcome to everybody watching from home online this morning. My name is Sean. I'm one of the members of the Crossroads teaching team and it's a great privilege and a joy to share with you this morning again. If I haven't spoken to you yet this year, and I know this is kind of counter-cultural to do, Happy New Year. You know, us Christians are kind of counter-cultural anyway, so I figured why not. I hope your year has made a good start. And if it hasn't, if there are some struggles and maybe many of us have struggles, then I hope today's message will offer you a way through it anyway. We are talking, and you know this, we are talking about our series that we have called God in the Movies. I like the way JP said it last week. He said, movies form such an important part of our modern day culture, and if we look just below the surface, if we try and see the deeper meaning that these movies often hold for us, then in some ways we can see them as a modern day parable. And I think that certainly is the case for the movie that we are going to talk about today. It is my all-time favorite. And if you look on the movie website IMDB, maybe some of you know that. It's this database that has information about movies and reviews and the actors and the story of over 10 million movies. If you look on that database, this one stands on number one greatest movie of all times. And it's called, we'll get a picture up of it in a second, it's called the Shawshank Redemption. Who's watched it? Lots of hands. Great. In a way, today we are going to be talking about the greatest movie of all time from the perspective of the greatest book of all time. Before I start, two things. I know that there are some critics of the movie that actually think it has a bit of an anti-religious, anti-Christian message. Maybe there are some folks in this room that think that. That's obviously not the perspective I'm going to come at this message from. That's not what I'm going to draw out of this movie. I happen to think it has a very different message, which is why I chose the movie. The other thing I wanted to say is, I recognize that this movie has in it some pretty unpleasant characters from time to time. It has some pretty upsetting scenes. As Pam put it to me, it has some colorful language in it from time to time. It is R-rated and for good reason. But folks, as I will explain for those that haven't watched it, it plays out in a prison. And maybe to some extent, in order to make it realistic, the director kind of needed to show us that. This movie, the, sorry, this prison is overseen by a cruel and evil warden. 
and a group of gods. They, on the one hand, quote Bible texts, pretending to be men of integrity, acting in the best interests of the prisoners, and on the other hand, they act as evil and cruel disciplinarians. And as upsetting as I might find that, when I think about that, I also have to admit to myself that also outside of prison walls in our day-to-day -day lives, we have upsetting characters. We have upsetting scenes. We have leaders that lord their power over us, waving the Bible, quoting Bible texts, pretending to be acting in our best interests and yet acting in the pursuit of personal power and enrichment and, in, and possession. You see, in a sense, if we try and see this movie as a modern-day parable, then we have to recognize that some of the scenes are maybe, in a sense, a micro-representation of our lives themselves. And that's why I think this movie has interesting things to teach us. That's why I picked this movie to talk about this morning. So let me quickly tell you some of the background of the movie. The movie centers around the main character, a guy called Andy Dufresne. Andy is a quiet and unassuming guy. He's an accountant. I don't know why I shared that, but I thought I would. He's an accountant. Um, and he comes home one day, and he discovers that his wife and the golf pro with whom she is having an affair have been murdered in their house. Not only that, he is accused and he is convicted of having committed those murders, even though he had nothing to do with it. In a sense, we have an innocent man that is sentenced, is sent to go and, send, to go and spend the rest of his days in prison amongst the most sinful and evil of people. And this prison is lorded over, I mentioned it already, by a cruel and evil prison warden. He wields the Bible on the one hand and the whip in the other. He pretends to be acting for the best interests of the prisoners, but far from it. He exploits them. He uses their labor to perform illegal work so that he can personally enrich himself. That is the prison warden. In prison, Andy befriends one fellow prisoner in particular. His name, or his nickname, is Red. Red is the guy in the prison that can get you stuff. He's kind of developed this supply chain. And if you need something that you can't otherwise get, that the prison doesn't otherwise provide you with, Red's your man. He knows how to get you stuff. And I want to introduce you to these two characters by showing you this movie clip. Before it starts, I just want to say for the folks watching online, we're not allowed to broadcast these movie clips, so you'll get a bit of a black screen. We will be back. It's about three minutes. Bear with us for a minute. Let's have a look. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of hypnotized by that scene. I love that scene. It tells me so much about this movie. It tells me about the circumstance they find themselves in. They have their backs against the prison wall, the prison wall that represents their circumstance, their struggle, their predicament, the place from which 
you could imagine there is almost no escape. In a way, I think the director of this movie is pointing to that well-known metaphor of having your back against the wall, right? Stuck, there's no way forward. That's the situation that these two prisoners find themselves in. And yet, when we, when we watch these two prisoners, we see them react to their circumstance in a very different way. We see Red. Maybe we can get his photo. That's Red. What do you see on his face? What do you see in his body language throughout that clip? I see a guy who has given up. I see a guy that has accepted his circumstance. He's never getting out of here. In his own words, he has become an institutional man now. And whilst outside, sorry, whilst inside, he's the guy that can get you stuff. Out there, you only need the yellow pages. For the youngsters amongst us, <laughs> old-fashioned Google. Okay? The yellow pages. That's red. He's given up. And then we have Andy. What do you see when you see his face? I see a guy who, despite his circumstance, looks beyond the walls, looks further than the things that tie him down. I see a guy who has hope shining through his eyes. I love the way the director uses light here. You see the picture of red and it's kind of dark. You see the picture of Andy and it's lit up. And I love the way Andy describes that place he hopes for. Say Watineo. It's a real place in Mexico. It's a fishing village along the coast of the Pacific. It's this beautiful place. Sunshine, freedom, friendship. And how do the Mexicans describe the Pacific? It's a place without memory. And he says, I have paid for my sins and then some. This is not too much to ask for. A really powerful scene. And that behavior or, or, or that hope is the thing that drives Andy forward. It's the thing that makes him make a choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. So what happens next in the movie? Fast forward a bunch of years through the timeline of the movie and the prison guards one morning are doing their rounds and they discover that Andy has disappeared. The night before he was in his prison cell, the next morning he's gone. They can't understand why, how, how's this happened and there's this big poster on the wall. And they break through the poster and they discover that for more than 10 years, day by day, Andy has been picking away at the wall. He's been picking away rock by rock, putting it in his pockets, going out into the yard. He'd cut out the holes at the bottom of his pocket and he lets out one rock at a time, like this. Day by day, he crawls through the misery of his existence because he is driven forward by his Sewatanea by his view, fixing his eyes on the hope that he holds. And that is what has him get busy living. That, my friends, is the story on the surface of this movie.
But if we are to see it as a modern-day parable, then we need to look below that surface. We need to ask ourselves, what do those prison walls actually represent for us? When I ask myself that question, I'm reminded of how many key figures in the Bible actually spent time in prison. Go and look it up. Joseph, Jeremiah, Daniel in the lion's den, a form of prison. John the Baptist, Paul, Silas, Peter. It reminds me that God has a very special place for people being held captive in a place or by something. I also then go one level deeper and I look at the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 61. It's a prophecy about the suffering servant, Jesus, that is to come. It's up on the screen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the meek, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I read that and I ask myself, what was the real reason that the suffering servant, that Jesus came to earth? Was it to heal the sick or the blind? Was it to raise the dead or to literally free people from prison? Or was it to do something else? What is the thing that Jesus came to free us from? It was sin, right? That's the liberty that Isaiah is prophesying about. That is the lens through which I think we can look at this movie. And so what do those prison walls represent? I don't want to be too negative about this, but I think those prison walls, when we try and look below the surface of the story on top, I think those prison walls represent our everyday lives because we too are confronted by those difficult situations. We too are confronted by sin. We too have leaders that rule over us who pretend to be acting in our best interests and yet are pursuing their own power and possession and strength. And we too often have to live a life of endurance and perseverance, sometimes suffering for the crimes that we never committed. And so this movie, friends, is about how we react despite that circumstance. That's what those prison walls represent and talk about in this movie. And what, is the prison, what does the movie tell us about how to respond? Well, let's go back to our scene that we just watched. What was the difference between Andy and Red? What was the thing that Andy had that Red did not have? Hope, right? Hope. He had his eyes set on Sewatanao. It was the thing that drove him forward. It is the thing that made him behave in the way he did. And despite his circumstance, he literally crawled through the sewage of his existence and crawled his way to freedom. Hope changed the equation for Andy. And so if we really want to understand this movie, we have to ask ourselves, what then is hope? 
How can hope become something real in my life? And I want to talk about it, and I've done this before. I want to talk about it by looking first at sort of the scientific perspective, the scientific explanation of what hope is. I want to do that because I think it gives us the tools to talk about the concepts and the things we learn here also outside of these walls. It helps us understand why Scripture is not just some ancient manuscript. It is real and relevant for us today here as well. So what do the professionals, what do the psychologists say about hope? And now you know that this is inspired by my wife who is a psychologist. Hope is a lot more than unfounded, unrealistic, wishful thinking. Hope is not like when I go play golf on a Saturday morning and I say to my wife, Sue, I'm going to hit a hole in one today. That is not based on any fact. In fact, that is based on jealousy because she has hit a hole in one and I still haven't. But that is unrealistic, wishful thinking. The psychologists, when they look at hope, they develop this model called the cognitive theory of hope. They define hope according to three things. Goal, the thing we actually aim for. Pathway, the route that gets us from where we are to where we're going. And then the third crucial element, they call it agency. Another word is willpower. It's the thing that makes you get up when you get knocked down. That's how you convert unrealistic, hole-in-one wishful thinking to real hope. To real hope that changes behavior, that drives you forward, that helps you persevere. Goal, pathway, and willpower. And so when we take that model and we lay it over what we see in this movie, when we, when we use it to interpret Scripture, then we learn this. Goal. What was Andy's goal? Say what an ale. A place of beauty, of peace, of tranquility, of freedom, of being far removed from this horrible situation in which he found himself. But most importantly, a place with no memory. A place where he was freed from his sins. I don't know about you, but I listen to that and I think, that's how I imagine heaven one day. A place with no memory. A place where my sins have been paid for. John 4, verse 13 and 14 puts it this way. Jesus said to her, Hang on. It seems like we got the wrong text. I'll just read it. Ignore what's on the screen. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's what a goal does for us. That is what having our eyes fixed on heaven 
does for us. It becomes a spring of living water that empowers us, that moves us forward, that helps us move along the pathway. That is what the movie, that is what Scripture is telling us about this first element of hope. The second element, pathway. For Andy, it was pretty clear, right? He dug his hole stone for stone through the prison wall. He crawled his way out through the sewage pipes, horrible thought, into freedom, into this river that ran outside of the prison walls, and he crawled his way to freedom. But friends, what did Andy use to get him to freedom? I haven't showed you yet. But the thing that Andy uses to get him to freedom is a little rock hammer. It's a little rock hammer. Maybe we can get that picture up on the screen. It's a little rock hammer that he hid in the Bible. Now, there were some people that saw this in the movie and said, that's disrespecting the Holy Word. I watched this movie as a young teenager. I didn't think about it from that more complicated perspective. I saw Andy's route to freedom hidden in the Bible, and it told me this. You want to know what the pathway is to your freedom? It is hidden. It is there to be found in the words of the Holy Scripture. I love the fact that this book, that the Bible is opened here on the book of Exodus. What is the book of Exodus? It is about being liberated from captivity. Andy's route to freedom was that little rock hammer that he hid in the Bible. And our route to freedom is hidden, is to be found in the Bible as well. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10 puts it this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. And the other one, John 9, verse 10, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is our pathway. You look at those first two elements of hope, our goal is clear, our pathway is clear as well. And then the third element, willpower. This movie is all about willpower. Andy crawls through the filth of his existence, stone by stone, he crawls forward, and he comes out on the other side, standing in victory. There's this great image as he comes out of the sewage, he stands like this, washed clean by the rain and the river that washes him clean of his past. But when we look at Scripture, it tells us about willpower as well. Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. And not only this, but we will exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and character, hope. There's some more pieces of scripture up on the screen. I'm going to skip over them because I see I'm running short of time. 
But folks, when I take all these, all these pieces of scripture, if I take the model of hope that the psychologists offer us, if I take the message from the movie, then I think it breaks down into four key things. The first one, we have very good reason to hope. Through the death of Jesus, we are born again into a living hope. It is through grace that we have been saved. It is not, it is not through our own doing. We already have inherited that inheritance. We have good reason to hope. Number two, the thing we hope for is truly magnificent. Scripture tells us it is imperishable. It is undefiled and unfading, and it is being watched over by our Father in heaven. The third thing that Scripture tells us, and I think the movie tells us that as well, there will be trials. There will be suffering. Folks, if you sometimes ask yourself the question, or if others ask you the question, why, if God is such a lo loving God, do we still experience suffering? I want to suggest to you that maybe that's the wrong question to ask. Christianity has never been about finding a key to unlock a root without suffering. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about, despite that suffering, finding a way to keep going, finding a way to persevere, finding a way to keep our eyes set on the hope that is set for us in eternity. And that is the fourth thing that this movie teaches us. When we fix our eyes on hope, it lightens our burden. When we stay in community with each other, when we come to church, where we form part of life groups, where we study the Bible, where we meditate and pray and work on a real, active, live relationship with our Father in heaven, it gives us wings. Hope gives us wings and it helps us get through the other side of our everyday struggle. That is the message of this movie. That is the message of these passages of Scripture. I want to close this sermon by showing you one more very short clip. It's a clip right at the end of the movie. Red has gone to a place that Andy sent him to. Andy says, Red, if you ever get out of here, go and find this place under an old oak tree and I will leave something there for you. Take a look. Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Let these words be an encouragement to you. An encouragement at more or less the beginning of this new year. An encouragement maybe as you find yourselves in a difficult situation. As believers 
in Jesus, we have everything to hope for. We have a pathway through our Lord Jesus Christ that we know gets us there. And through our faith, our community, the strength that is offered to us through the Holy Spirit, we also have the willpower to keep going. And so maybe it does come down to a choice. A choice between hope and despair. A choice between having our eyes focused on the struggle or having our eyes looking over the prison walls of the things that cause us to struggle. A choice, as Andy puts it, to get busy living or get busy dying. I know what I choose. I choose hope. What about you? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the source of our hope. You have given us the Holy Spirit to run through our veins, to empower us to keep going. You have given us community, brothers and sisters in Christ that can hold our hands, that can help us crawl forward. And most of all, Lord Jesus, you have given us something to hope for, something that we can lift our eyes Yes, sometimes it is misery. Sometimes above the misery of the struggles of what we are faced with here in this earth. And you give us the power to keep going. Heavenly Father, we choose hope. We choose to believe that you have already paid for us the liberation from sin that your son came down to earth to give us hope is a good thing maybe the best of things and in your name Lord Jesus we declare that hope will not die that hope will not die. Be with us all, Lord Jesus, as we leave this place. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let us shine your lights of hope in the world around us. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.